regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of The Online Course Show. This is episode 181. I am Jacques Hopkins. If you are new here, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome to you as well. But if you're new, really quickly, my name is Jacques Hopkins. I have an online course You listening, you probably either have an online course, you're thinking about having an online course. Either way, I'm glad you're here. You're in the right place. My online course is called Piano in 21 Days, pianoin21days.com. It's been around since 2013. It allowed me to quit my job back in 2015, and I just feel like I have the greatest job in the world. I also have this podcast where I share a lot about my online course business, but then also have guests on that also have online course businesses. And that's exactly what we're doing here today. I haven't had a guest on in in a while, done several solo episodes here recently, but I had an incredible guest on today that you're going to hear from very, very shortly. His name is Spencer Russell. His website is toddlersread.com. The name of his course, it's called Toddlers Can Read. And here's his niche, all right? Not only does he teach kids to read, right? That's That's a fairly mainstream kind of topic, all right? But he teaches toddlers to read as young as like 15, 18 months to start reading by, you know, three or four, they're actually reading more at like a first grade level. That's what he teaches. Um, that, that's what his niche is. But we'll take it a step further. He's not like, he's not making it so that the, the toddler is sitting in front of his lessons. He's empowering the parents and the teachers. So he's teaching the parents and the teachers to then teach toddlers, young, young, young kids, how to read. So it's it's pretty niche down. It's a pretty interesting, um, like, b- blue ocean, really. Uh, and according to him, like nobody else is really doing it uh, this way, th- this particular niche. So that's that's really cool. Now, Spencer only got started about 10 months ago. And when I say got started, he got his idea for this online course about 10 months ago. And in the past 10 months, he has uh, sold nearly 500 copies of his course. He has quit his job. Uh, and he is he's very passionate about his business and he's really helping a lot of people, uh, do, do some incredible things. I actually have his course now and, uh, I got some of his cards in the mail as well. And I'm starting to go through his material with my four-year-old. Uh, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. The six-year-old is doing pretty well with her reading. Uh, but I think my four-year-old is right, right in the demographic of, of a good fit for Spencer's material. And you know, it's really amazing when you when you put yourself out there, you're putting content out there, you really don't know like who's listening, who you're having an impact on. And I, I want you out there listening to this, like to 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 think about that. Remember that. Like if you are not putting content out there, if you are not trying to serve people with free content, whether you have an online course or not, then I think that's one of the main places our, our success in 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 business, online business really can start. And it's just amazing. You know, with piano in 21 days, we get a success story. It's like, you know, I've never heard of this person. Like this person knows me. They've been through my course. They've consumed my material. Uh, but I don't know who they are until, until 
they're submitting, you know, feedback, testimonials, and so on. It's just amazing that something that me and my team was able to put together had this much impact on another person. And it's the same with this podcast. Like, I don't, I don't know everybody out there listening. You know, you, you listening to this right now, you're, you're, you're walking down the street, you're walking your dog, you're driving to work, you're listening to this podcast. I might know you. We, I know a lot of listeners personally, but I might not know you. And I don't know what impact this podcast, if any, has had on your life, but you are listening to it. And that's just really, really cool. And so Spencer, you know, you'll hear this story. He was listening to the podcast for a while. Um, and eventually he did reach out to me and, and you'll get into that story. Um, but this podcast had a positive impact on his story. Likewise, his main platform of choice has been Instagram. He's got a very, very flourishing Instagram channel. He's since had some recent success on TikTok, which you'll hear about as well. But he's impacting all kind of people too through Instagram. Even the ones that don't even buy his course, he's he's probably having a positive impact on a lot of people. So just really keep that in mind. Now, let's shift back to Spencer and his story. Um, look, he he is so motivated. It's unbelievable how motivated he has been the past 10 months. And that's one of the reasons he's found success so quickly. And that's one of the big lessons you could probably take away from his story. He's a big fan uh, and believer in just the, the kind of positive thinking, you know, manifestation. If you believe it, then it will come to be. But we, we had a discussion about this in the conversation about, you know, some people, some people believe in that stuff too, but then leave it there and don't actually do the work or don't do it well enough or work hard enough. And Spencer not only believes in that stuff, he really he really sees his vision, but then puts in the work and does the steps necessary to make it happen, okay? And so just to give you an example of that, um, full disclosure, Spencer was a part of the, the first course bootcamp that I did the last three months of last year in 2021. And one of the things we do each week when we're meeting is we discuss what you've accomplished the past week, and then we get a plan together for what's what you need to work on this next week. And every single week without fail, Spencer had either done what I asked him to do or, or suggested that he should do, or did that and more. And so he was very diligent, very motivated, very receptive to uh, both advice and criticism. Um, and it's it's really paid off. Um, like I said, he's been able to quit his job and he's he's doing the work that he wants to be doing, that he loves, uh, supporting his his family, his partner, his son. Um, and it's just really, really a, a great story. Uh, one more little disclaimer here is that we are still doing a little bit of work on our house. And at one point in this conversation, somebody was like hammering something right outside of my office door. And, you know, we just rolled with it. We're, we're kind of casual here. Uh, and so I left it in. You'll see, you'll hear that later on in the conversation. But just, want, just wanted to warn you that that is coming. Uh, just wanted you to be prepared for that. So without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Spencer from toddlersread.com. Mr. Spencer <laughs> Russell, hi. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Thank you for having me. I uh, I know you somewhat at this point. We've we've this isn't the first time we've spoken. I can't always say that about people I have on the podcast. So I'm I'm really excited to go a little deeper into your story. I mean, I'm, certainly we're going to share your story with those that don't know you, and then I'm excited to learn some things I'm sure I don't know yet either. So this is called the Online Course Show. You're obviously familiar with the podcast. 
So we're going to be focused on online courses, but then there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure, other things in your life and whatnot that are part of your online course story. But I say that to say, let's start with the president, maybe then go backwards. Like right now, let's talk about where you are right now with you and your online course business. Set it up for us. Um, Where are you right now? Yep. So I have an online course called Toddlers Can Read. I help parents and caregivers teach their little ones to read. My target demographic is 18 months to five years, but I have parents who start as young as 15 months or so, and then all the way up to about eight to nine years. So I am at this point probably six months or seven months into actually selling the course. And the lifespan has been about like 10 months total since kind of having the idea to now. Um, what else would be? No, that's a, that's a good start. I mean, there's multiple things that really blow me away by what you just said. I mean, I'm trying to decide what, what, what blows me away more. The fact that you started 10 months ago or the fact that you can teach people to start teaching their kids how to read at 15 months old. That's amazing. Like I have a, you know, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. My six-year-old's she's reading, you know, she's, she's in first grade. She's reading at a first grade level. My four-year-old, like we, like I haven't even thought twice about teaching her to read or, or trying to contribute to that until I met you. And now you make me feel bad because, you know, your, your kid is like reading at a, you know, 12th grade level at like three years old. Um, but let's talk about the 10 month thing. Yeah. How have you been able to be successful so fast? <laughs> you know, I think you'll actually like the answer, but when I, I've had kind of like some light bulb moments with the business. So when I was working my former job, it was kind of mid pandemic and there was a lot of just kind of sad news. Um, my cousin had died. Uh, Kobe Bryant had died. He was a big, um, he was an, an icon for me. And I was working a job that paid a lot, but I didn't really like. And I told myself, I'm not going to die at my desk doing this job. And I needed to find like something to do. And I knew I just wasn't going to stay there. Right. It was, it was, I've, I've got to get out. I've got to do something because I'm, I'm not living just to work at this desk. So when I thought of the idea of helping parents teach their toddlers to read, it had been what I've been focused on the whole pandemic. I've been working with my son really early. We started at 18 months. By 25 months, he was reading. Um, by two and a half, he was reading pretty well. And I knew that this was something that I could uniquely do in the space. No one else was doing it. Um, it's, it's a pretty big blue ocean. So the key was going to be just the execution. And I think over that 10-month span, I told myself, I'm only going to get information from one place. And that ended up being your podcast. I think everybody, like everybody who's thought about an online course has some kind of online course or a podcast or show on how to do it. But I was drawn to the fact that you actually have done it with your own course. And the info was good enough. So I was literally like, I'm going to get my information here. If he recommends a book, I'll read it. If he recommends a process, I'll do it. 
I'm going to listen to the guests really carefully, listen to everything they say in terms of this is the one thing I wish I didn't do. This is the one thing that I'm proud of. And I'm going to try and proactively implement all of these things. And I think I have been kind of singularly focused on this course being successful the last 10 months and have really tried to prevent the amount of information that I consume so that I can just be focused on literally just executing a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And then you coached me, which was helpful too. Yeah. I mean, th- thanks for the kind words. Um, the reason I wanted to have you on is not to make this a commercial for the podcast or for any of my programs or anything like that. You have done an incredible job. You have, I've been inside of your course. Like I'm, I'm interested in applying some of your techniques to my four-year-old and even my six-year-old. You have a phenomenal course. Um, you, your, your systems are amazing. Like I've seen some of your spreadsheets and the way you track things are amazing. Um, and, and so I just want to make that clear, like to the audience and everything, like I, I, I didn't know what you were going to say there, um, but I appreciate it. So let's, uh, there's a few things I want to unpack, unpack there. First of all, Kobe Bryant, um, is there a, is there a more like competitive person that's ever existed? He's like such an inspiration from just like competitive standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I've, I've taken a lot from him. In, in that sense, I think, I think a lot of it does apply to the core stuff too, um, which is like, you just keep working and getting better, which is also an approach I think I've taken here. Yeah. And I've definitely seen that in you, like the, just the drive and motivation and even competitiveness for sure. Um, let's, let's, I don't know if we properly set, set the stage for where your course is right now. And I don't know what you're comfortable with sharing and what you're, what you're not. I don't need like exact numbers unless you want to give exact numbers, but like Right now, whether it's like revenue or it's just like how many students are coming in, how much traffic you're getting, any any anything that you can share with us to show how how the course is going, even though you just got the idea ten months ago. Yes, um, I can do historical stuff first, and then I can cover the last thirty days or so. So I started selling in June. I actually pre-sold starting in, in May before the pilot was done and had a, a pilot course. I started selling at $49 and I was able to sell to about 30 friends and family just to kind of get them in to start working with folks. Um, since then in August, I switched to Kajabi and kind of had more of, of an official course. And in December recorded the final version of the course kind of shot it professionally um, put a lot of time and effort into how I kind of put everything together and am now making the final transition to kind of what I consider for now, the final price, the final offer, getting all of that up to date. I have had checking my spreadsheet. I have about 400 to 425 people who have purchased so far. We just passed 50,000 in sales. And in the last, in January, we made 18,500. And in the last first eight days of this month, we're at 11,000. <laughs> so business is trending up. Um, 
that's a lot higher than it was when we were working together. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty incredible. And in and in, in this month's going really well so far. I I know. So you so you were part of the the first round of boot camp that I did uh, the last three months of 2021. And one thing I do with all the boot campers, as you know, the beginning is we set goals and we try to we try to you know one thing I try to do is help you do whatever I can to help you get reach those goals. And um, you were one of the only people that set like a monetary goal. And it was incredibly specific. Do you remember yeah. what that number was? I think it was like 9,000. It was around 9,700. Yeah. Month. Yeah. It was right around there. Um, and I mean, we're, we're not even, what are we, eight days into February. And like in February, you've already crossed that number. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so it seems like the, your current level of success has even surpassed what you were thinking and you're you're a pretty ambitious person like how like do you just have to like stop and like pinch yourself sometimes i've been thinking about it a lot because business has taken off the last 3 weeks january was going well we made um i say we like my partner and I have also with some of the stuff, like some, some shifts to the social media strategy. I committed to posting every day, getting a ton of content out in January was going really well. And then went viral on TikTok. And that just brought like thousands of people into the orbit. And when I first, first had the idea of an online course back in March of last year or April of last year, I told anyone who would listen, I was going to make a million dollars in 2022. And people laughed. Everyone, without fail, laughed. I, I was dead serious. And I think I anticipated March being kind of like the month this year that stuff would take off. But it's already happening, which feels really great. Um, people aren't laughing at the million dollars in a year anymore. And at the same time, I think it's my personality just to not be happy and to like not be satisfied. Um, we crossed, we had, we had our first thousand dollar day in January and we celebrated. And then two days later, we had another one and then eight in a row. And then <laughs> the celebration stopped, you know, because it's okay, now this is the norm. And now we're upset if we're under a thousand. So a lot of this for me, I think my competitiveness is, is great for being able to continue growing and improving and fixing kind of weaknesses. But I think I, I also should kind of stop more and appreciate the progress, but it's, it's hard uh, when there's so many areas of your business that you can look at and be like, this thing can get better, this thing can get better, this thing can get better. So let's let's now go back um, to roughly ten months ago. You're working a full time job. You mentioned earlier that you felt like this this particular niche of teaching toddlers to read is a blue ocean. You felt like this is what you could really make your mark with. Um, but why an online course? I mean, when you have an idea, when you have information you want to share, there's plenty of avenues to be able to do that. Why did you pick an online course? I started with 
kind of consulting, but I was doing it for free. So there were two families that I set up weekly meetings with to see if I could accurately help another parent with no teaching experience and no reading experience teach their toddler to read. I was convinced and instill them that it's not genetic. It's, it's not something about having a, a special kid. It, it's, it's a very clear process that you can follow to do it. And I found myself saying the same thing in each meeting. I found myself having to kind of draw the same diagrams, explain the same concepts. And ultimately it wasn't super effective, the once a week model, because they needed to be able to see here's the exact process, here's the exact thing to do, here's him doing it with the kid on their own schedule. And when I thought of online courses, we had done a feeding course for our son, we had done a speech course, we had done um, a motor skills course. You had taken these courses for your son. Right, right. So every time he had a milestone that he was behind or something that we were kind of struggling with, we were taking online courses ourselves. And that's just something that's so popular, I think, with toddler parents specifically, that I thought reading would be in the same genre. It's, it's something I wouldn't have to do on a one-on-one basis. I wouldn't have to try and keep explaining the same things, but I could literally just add to kind of this body of courses that already exists for parents. So then that begs the question when it was, so that's why you wanted to do an online course. So why didn't you take an online course about how to do an online course? You, you then got your, I guess you got your information about what to do from, from a podcast. That's correct. I Googled first and you must have good SEO or something. I don't know because I had no idea who you were, but your podcast came up. I might've listened to one other one, but my approach was this is good enough information, right? He knows much more than me. He has good guests on, on the podcast. And once I realized that there was going to be honestly more than enough information in each episode for me to kind of take and chew on and, and do, I, I, I didn't want to look at anything else. So after each episode, I would stop and then I wouldn't play the next episode until I knew I had the, the actionable information from anything that the guests had shared. And I wanted to make sure I kind of had internalized the lesson, written down any quotes, done whatever work I needed to do. And then I would go to the next one. Where did you start on the podcast? You didn't start all the way back at the first episode, did you? I started at one and then you recommended that I skip ahead, uh, I think to 87 or something like that. Like at the beginning of episode one? Yeah. So Yeah, I've gone back and added, recently added, you know, a little bit at the beginning of episode one and saying, hey, look, this is episode one's pretty old now. Like if you want some more updated information, skip to like, I think 89 or something. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I listened to the first part of that. You told me to jump ahead and then I jumped ahead and then listened from there. And in, at first I did it in, in, in order. But then I was listening as I was working on my course. And then I started jumping to the topics based on the description that I thought were most relevant. Okay. Interesting. All right. So what are some of those first steps? And you mentioned that you pre-sold. So where did you get that 
advice? Was it a, was it a particular episode where maybe somebody I had on recommended to do that or did that? Because I'll be honest with you, man. Like a lot of people recommend pre-selling your course before you actually build it. But I've found that a lot of times the people that are successful didn't necessarily use that approach. Um, it can be a much more difficult approach, but there's certainly successful people doing that as well. So what what, what was it con- that convinced you to to try the pre-sell model? It was one of your guests, but I can't remember which. The way that I listened to the podcast was to really focus on the folks who were successful and the advice they had at the end for people who were just getting started and the biggest lessons that they learned. And one of those things was to pre-sell. Another big lesson for me was literally just get started. You hear that over and over and over again, like just get started, just do it, just do it. Another one was putting out the pilot version. And I think the final piece I, I had worked through, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say I've, I've listened to you know, every word of every episode and done every action step, but I took it pretty seriously. And the last kind of big thing on my list was um, more than one person who had said, I wish I had quit my job sooner. And I wish I had jumped in and done this full time. And that to me was like, that was the last one. I'm like, I'm, I'm learning the lessons from people who've done this well. And uh, I, I'm not going to be one of those people who's, who's, who's sitting on an, an incredible business and not giving it enough time to grow. Wow. So what are those first, what are those first things that you did? Once you made the decision to do an online course, you start listening to the podcast, like is, is trying to find people to buy the, the, the version that's not built yet. Is that the first, like what, what are the first things you did? I think the first thing I did was work on content and the actual structure of the course, like the progression of we're going to learn this and then this and then this. Part of how I've tried to approach this is, is to take out all of the nuance, all of the finesse, all of the kind of judgment calls that a parent might have to make and just present it, do A, and then do B, and then do C. I think as a teacher in the classroom, there is, you know, there's a million ways that you could teach reading and you can kind of use your knowledge to say, I'm going to do this activity first and then this. And and then if they do this, then I'm going to switch and and do this. But with parents taking the course, I really had to look at what did I do with my son that was so effective? And what did I do with my students that was so effective? And then how can I boil this down into a sequential process that takes out guesswork? And so a lot of it was literally that it was, it was creating that I was, I was trying to come up with like names of frameworks to put on the process and kind of get that down. And then after I finished and I'm like, here's kind of the outline, here's the process, here's the steps. At that point, I started pre-selling to folks, partly to put some pressure on myself to actually build the content and then partly to validate the idea. I didn't need much validation. Um, during COVID, early reading, parents wanting to get their kids ahead. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is right. 
Um, and then partly just to get better at selling. Um, and then it was May and June was a process of both selling and starting to get on social media, starting to kind of like learn what people want to hear and how to present myself and doing the content at the same time, getting it into the slides, learning how to use Kajabi, learning how to kind of organize a course and put it together. Sorry, learning how to use Thinkific at that point. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, every time you've mentioned content here in this context, I, I think you're talking about the course content, the curriculum, right? We're not talking about like content marketing or anything like that yet. Right. Right. So that was your first focus was the course curriculum, probably, probably a rough state of it, not every last detail. Then you went to try to pre-sell. I mean, do, do you remember that very first sale by, by any means? Or do you have any uh, stories uh, you could share from pre-selling? Pre-selling was tough. I had been talking to people about this course. And at this point, no one knew what my son could do. I was not on social media for the last two years. Um, I didn't find any reason to bring up in conversation my two-year-old can read. Like there's 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 no one who actually wants to hear that <laughs> um, or who's going to believe it. Um, so no one knew the work that I, I'd put in. I don't think anyone knew how good I was at it. People knew my teaching experience. I won a lot of teaching awards. I was really good with kindergarten and first grade students, but no one knew what I was doing with him. So there wasn't a ton of credibility and there wasn't an actual course or an actual process. So when I had conversations with people, they're like, yeah, I'm like kind of interested. Like, I want to help my kid. But once I share, this is going to be an actual course. I'm going to be selling it. It's $49. It was really tough to actually finish a sale. And so I was making up emails to send. Um, I thought like one email would do it. So I like sent a bunch of people an email, uh, no sales. I had a lot of verbal commits, a lot of people texting that they'll do it. Uh, it, it, it probably took, since I started trying to sell, it was probably like seven to 10 days before someone who said they were going to purchase actually purchased. And it's a friend of mine and she bought the $49 course. And so I went, it was nine o'clock. Uh, I went to HEB got a little bottle of champagne, came home, we popped it. I cried. It was, it was, it was beautiful, but that sale was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Wow. So it was, it was hard. It, it wasn't as easy as you expected. It wasn't as easy as one email. It wasn't as easy as reaching out to one person. Um, but once you actually had a yes, like, what did that mean? Tell me more about like how you felt and what that mean meant. Yeah, it felt incredible. It is. I, I, I remember you talking about your first sale and other people talking about their first sale. And I, I was waiting for that experience myself. And going up to it for a week, I'm just checking my phone all the time, just refreshing my email. I, I went in, into PayPal to check and make sure the notification settings were correct. So if, if someone purchased, I would get it. So like maybe they're just not sending me the notification, but it was, it felt amazing. It's definitely validating. And 
then it's just trying to learn like what what led to the sale what do i need to keep doing how do i make more of these and i realized pretty quickly afterwards that it's social media that people can know me as like a person but until i had videos up of my son reading people weren't buying mm-hmm. but once they saw what he could do then some people started buying. And so I, I learned some people are competitive and they purchase because of that. They see you do it. They want their kid to do it. Right. But that doesn't do it for everyone. And then I put up like some tip stuff and some strategies and some kind of easy to follow stuff. And then some more people start to buy and you realize, you know, not everyone wants to see a little kid reading. Some people want to just get bite-sized info and know that they can do it themselves too. And it was really quickly a shift from like excitement to like, how do we get more of these? And like, what is the version of my brand, of, of my business that people need to see in order to want to continue to engage? It sounds like the two, the two keys to getting people to purchase there at the beginning, I imagine it's pretty similar today, were one, seeing somebody do it. So seeing, seeing your son who's obviously very young, actually reading. And two is, I would call it maybe quick wins, like offering tips that they can then apply and potentially get a quick win. And I I certainly resonate with that. I think those are probably the two biggest factors that that I'm trying to use in my business to, to make sales as well. Like Obviously, I have tons of testimonials. It's very important that my Few uh, potential students see other people playing the piano. They want to, they want to know that it's going to work or know that it has worked for other people. I think it's extremely important, obviously. And then sometimes that's just not good enough, like you alluded to. Like sometimes people need to take some information and apply it on their own and be like, "Oh, this this can actually work." Right. Yeah, um, I my strategy initially with that was, I'm like, people need me to give them information that's like 80% stuff they already know and like 20% different. So like mm. they need to be able to read a post and be able to feel like, oh, I pretty much know that. But mm, maybe I'll try this one little tweak that he's saying. Because anything that I was saying that's like, you know, completely out of, out of left field, you're doing this wrong, here's how you should be doing it. That didn't really resonate. But anytime someone can comment and be like, oh, this is what I'm already doing this, whatever. Like, I think psychologically that's, that's what people really like hearing. So I try and give them, you are pretty much right. And then tweak this thing here. Try it. Let me know how it goes. Interesting. You've read expert secrets, right? By Russell Brunson Mm -hmm. like that. So that reminds me of, of his framework about how, what is it? There's the, there's the mainstream ideas. And then there's the, um, what does he call it? Like the really off the wall ideas. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. There's a framework in that book where he says like the things that you're teaching, like the way that you're teaching it, the content, you don't want it to be too mainstream because that's the way that everybody's doing it. Like you're not going to stand out, but you also don't want to be like too out there in left field either because of what you just alluded to. Like they're like, oh, that's just crazy. Like that would never work. And that maybe that's the word crazy, mainstream, crazy. He says, you want it to be somewhere in the middle of that. I think the example he used was like, um, you don't, if you're, if you're selling like dieting advice, you don't want to just give the same old dieting advice. You don't want to give the same mainstream advice, mainstream advice, but 
on the, on the crazy side, like he heard once about this diet where all you had to do was like be in the sun and like the sun was your energy source. Like that's crazy. Like nobody's like very few people are going to believe that you don't need to eat anything and you can just get your energy from the sun. Like you need to fall somewhere in the middle to where there's a little, maybe a little crazy, like a little off the wall, a little different, not so crazy. Right. So it sounds like even though you don't specifically remember that framework, that's kind of what worked for you. I think so. And I, I've learned as well that I think you can push maybe a little bit towards the crazier side in the context of a relationship. Like over time, when people trust you, they trust the information. I found I, I can push a little bit more. Um, for example, I, I can get away with a lot more directness on Instagram than I can on TikTok because it's, it's just a new platform. People don't see my stories. They don't get to meet me as a person. They literally just hear the advice. So I think I, I do try and walk a line of providing information that is new and that is different and that no one else is giving while also affirming the fact that people are literally doing the best they can with their kids. And like how you treat your kids feels very personal. Perhaps more than like, you know, how you view your diet or how you view yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So I try and be very careful. And at, at the same time, I am always focused on kids more than adults. And I was as a teacher as well. So there's also a part of me that's like, if your feelings are hurt a little bit, but it leads to something better for your kid, then that's okay too. I have another question for you about the the pre-selling because I think that is a sticking point for some people. I think I think some people agree oh, that you know it sounds good in theory, but you've mentioned multiple times like you you had these people that you'd reach out to and you'd email them or you'd talk to them or it wasn't until they saw your social media. I think one of the biggest sticking points with pre-selling is like who do I pre-sell to, right? How did you even have people that you could pre-sell to and like tell tell us the way you did it. And then if you have any advice for how other people could pre-sell based on your experience. It's a great question. I have not a lot of friends <laughs> in life, but I do know a lot of teachers and like a lot of colleagues. So I think my niche, it's, it's teaching early reading. And I just happen to have a pretty large circle of teachers that I know. Um, I coach teachers during the summer for four years. So there's a lot of people that I've like coached and kind of have that relationship with a lot of kind of teachers that I've, I've worked with and then just like colleagues from work who I think were already kind of in the education sphere who I could talk to and pitch about this. In addition to family, no one from family purchased though. Um, no, no family purchased. No family purchase. It actually was disappointing because uh, my brother was trusting like some random curriculum over the course. Um, so yeah, just, just kind of knowing teachers, knowing colleagues, that's who I sold to. I, was, I wasn't making hard sales. Um, I, I very much wanted this to be something since it is so personal since I am going to be sharing like parts of what I've done with my son and asking them to do stuff with their kids. And it could strain the relationship of me with other colleagues 
if they take it and they don't like it or they take it and they feel pressured and they feel like, you know, I'm coming across the wrong way. I very much wanted this to be something that people could just opt into. And that made selling hard too. I think selling to someone that I knew because I really didn't want to be pushy. So if, if I heard someone bring up that they had a kid in like that two to four range, I would just say, hey, just so you know, I'm working on this thing. It is a course to help parents and caregivers teach their kids how to read. If you're interested, you can feel free to shoot me an email and my personal email address. I'm happy to share more info. If not, no worries at all. But if you do want to talk more, I'm happy to talk about it offline. And that was my pitch to colleagues. And my pitch to friends and, and family wasn't too different. I just really wanted to make sure that it was something that people felt like they were choosing to opt into and not just doing it because they were an acquaintance. What was your pitch to them as far as timing goes? I think that's probably another sticking point. Like the thing you're selling them does not exist yet. Right. So did you give them a date that it would be available by? I told them it would be available mid-June. And it was available June 18th. Okay. Any any complaints from anybody that had you you pre-sold to at all? No complaints. There were a number of people who didn't do the course, who never logged in to this day, who've had at this point two free upgrades to the current version, who now have like a premium online course they got for $49, uh, who haven't logged in. And I just view that as an investment in my business. And it's open to them anytime they want to log in. And then I have people from that pilot whose kids are now reading. And um, some people whose kids started reading at three, and then some people whose kids were in kindergarten or first grade, and they're caught up now, and they're, they're, they're not behind anymore. So there's been no complaints. I think the price was so low, and I was super clear that it was a pilot. This is a pilot. Mm-hmm. That was like the first lesson. This is a pilot. I need your feedback. <laughs> and I will do anything it takes to help you be successful because if you're not successful, then like I'm not successful. So I was very clear up front that I was willing to do whatever it took to help people. And I think that kind of level of of attention would also potentially limit people being like, this course isn't good. One, because they know me and two, they can see how hard I was trying. So you put that, uh, once the course actually existed, the pilot version, you put it on Thinkific. Why did you choose Thinkific initially? (laughs) I watched a lot of videos on YouTube of people comparing platforms. And it was always Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi, Podia. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe one other, but Thinkific seemed to be the one that was always going head to head with Kajabi in these comparisons. And there was a lot of people who were just said Kajabi was too expensive. And it's, I wasn't making much money from this yet. So I'm like, let me do Thinkific with the understanding though, that it was literally a trial in that every part of my pilot was a learning experience. So I didn't choose Thinkific thinking it would be the final thing. 
I chose it thinking it was the best based on my research. And if there was something better, I would switch. But to, I think, one of the biggest points I've gotten from listening to your podcast is like literally just do something, just choose something, just do something and get started. So I, I went with Thinkific. Um, it was not the right platform. It wasn't the smoothest experience. And the, the biggest thing is Kajabi has an app. And when I looked at the pilot, there's a big lesson to be learned about the number of people who never logged in, who never got started. And I was so focused on let me pick a platform that looks like it has really good like data analytics. And let me look at something where I can like look at every part of what a person's doing while they take the course. And then after getting to know the parents better, I was like, let me pick a platform that's super simple, that's super streamlined, and that's going to give them a really smooth experience. So if they have a kid or two kids with them, they can kind of easily watch the course and get into it. There's, um, there hasn't been anything specific that you didn't like about Thinkific. I, at this point, I don't like Thinkific either. And as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a fanboy of Kajabi these days. And, and I'd love to, 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 to go deeper on, on the tech and why Kajabi is good versus others. Um, but anything specific you didn't like about Thinkific? Yeah, I hated Thinkific, <laughs> to be honest. And, switching from Thinkific to Kajabi is on my list of better business decisions that I've made. Um, the customer support I found was not excellent. Okay. There were a couple of different times when I had questions or needed something and just felt like it wasn't super helpful. Whereas on Kajabi, it's like night and day. Like I didn't even realize it was like not great customer service until I switched. And I'm like, this is what customer service is. This person is going to stay on with me until it's solved. And that's come up a lot for me. Uh, the actual player itself for playing the courses was super glitchy. So I had a lot of families who needed to refresh the video or like restart or like go to a different browser to get it to play because it would literally mm. just pause and it would freeze. Um, and then I didn't know how to set up like a website that actually looked good with Thinkific or like a, a landing page that looks good. I was like, my course is, is decent, but every other part of it, mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to do. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not bad at tech, but I'm not amazing at tech. And switching to Kajabi and literally being able to put up an, an outline of a site and the product and stuff like in a, in a day, um, I think made my feelings about Thinkific even stronger after being like, this is like, this is what it's supposed to look like. But for some people, it might be great. I'm going for ease of use for me and for parents. And Kajabi was just by far the easiest. Thinkific is a, is a very good, in my opinion, it's a very good LMS learning management system. It is a good place to host your course. Now you said you had issues with the videos not working. You know, I haven't experienced that, but if somebody's looking for just an LMS, Thinkific is a fine choice. I know, I know very successful course creators using it. The problem is most people, especially like those that would be listening to this audience, this, uh, this podcast, um, not, not big corporations that just need an LMS. Like most people like you and like me and, and, and the average listener need more than an LMS. Like you said, we need to have a place to build landing pages. We need to have a place to build funnels. Even if we can build a website in the same place, great, awesome. Um, 
add to the fact that Kajabi also allows you to have your podcast there. I mean, that's that's where that's where we host the online course show now. Um, it's just, in my opinion, it does it, it it's it's currently does has the most bang for the buck. Um, it does so many things, and yes, it's one of the most expensive. But that's because it does so much. Like that's the that's the biggest knock on Kajabi that I found. I mean, you even alluded to that. People say, well. It's just expensive, and I've said that. Like, if you, that when I did my mega review of of course platforms at this point, how long ago was that? That was over a year ago now. I mentioned just like that's Kajabi's biggest drawback is it's expensive, right? But once you really compare, like if you use Thinkific, you're also going to need some sort of funnel building software, right? Where you like, did you have like, did you have anywhere to build landing pages or funnels? No, I just, I had like a website on GoDaddy. So like WordPress? It was just whatever the GoDaddy website builder is. Okay. Uh, Gotcha. And then I was having trouble connecting them. Right. When I was first making sales, like it wasn't even connected. Like my website wasn't speaking to the sales thing. And so I literally was like manually seeing there was a sale going in, <laughs> copying the email address and then sending an email and attaching it wow. for the person. <laughs> so it was messy. Yeah. It's, um, I didn't really realize how limited something like Thinkific was until a f- few months ago. If you if you remember from the bootcamp, we'll give a shout out to Sarah. Um, she was, she was using Thinkific in the bootcamp and I we got to the point where she needed to build her funnel. And I guess for some reason, I didn't realize you couldn't you essentially can't build funnels inside, inside of Thinkific. And I was like, where, where do you build your funnel? She's like, huh? Like, what are you talking about? You know? And then she has since moved over to Kajabi and it's like all in one place. I think she's a pretty big fan now. Um, but it's like, once you, once you realize that Thinkific is just the LMS and not this all in one run your whole business, including the marketing and the funnels thing. Like it's you, a lot of people don't understand that. And once you understand it, it's like, why would I ever use anything else? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So like I've told you before, like now I'm moving the online course guy all over to Kajabi. Uh, I'm almost finished with that process. The podcast is there. My courses are there. Um, there's more stuff I'm rolling out. And Piano in 21 Days is all still on my Buddy Boss Learn Dash solution, which I love, but it's it's for like 2% of people. It's like for 2% of course creators because there's a lot of pieces and parts. Things do break. Um, you know, I've got a background in engineering, so I'm, I'm a, more on the technical side, so I can handle some of it. And I was able to really customize it and my students love it, but it's just not a good solution for most people. And I think most people listening to this in this particular audience uh, would benefit from Kajabi over just about any other platform. You agree with that? I do agree. I think I was um, advocating for Kajabi for you. Yeah. Early on before you switched. Yeah. Well, and you know, seeing some of your stuff was was one of the contributing factors. I just, I loved how clean and simple and sleek your site was, and you had your site and your course and your funnels and um, all in the same place. I think even your emails are in Kajabi as well. Yeah. That right? is going to shift as the business has grown, I think, to active campaign. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the email 
I, I'm finding now that it is limited, but it's not something that we've had to worry about mm-hmm. in the past. Um, but yeah, everything else is essentially through Kajabi. Yeah, that's certainly my biggest knock on Kajabi is there is very limited in their email capabilities. So even with the online course guy, I do plan to still use active campaign. Some people can get away with still using Kajabi's email system. It's there, it works. It just doesn't have near as many features and automations and whatnot as something like Active Campaign. You know, I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, but you're still in Kajabi now. Like what other what other or sorry, you're still um you're still in Kajabi for your email. You haven't made that move yet. But at this point, because you have so much in Kajabi, like what what are the other tools that you're using, if any? I think maybe deadline funnel, anything else? Yeah. We have a couple tools just because of the way that I've built my funnel. And I think in order of the way someone interacts with my page, they come to a quiz, which is through Interact. And so they take a quiz with Interact, and then that pushes them to my training. And this is why we are switching to Active Campaign. Active Campaign has a direct integration with Interact. So Active Campaign can store every question and every tag from the quiz. Mm-hmm. If I were to continue doing it with Kajabi, I use Zapier to connect my quiz with Kajabi, but it only tags the final result. And what I want to do is I want to be able to tag uh, questions like, do you have any concerns about your kid's learning ability? And I want to be able to store, is this a parent who thinks their kid has a speech delay, has a learning disorder, has trouble with focus, because I'm going to spend, I'm I'm going to send segmented emails based on every response someone gives me. So I need the quiz with Interact, and then I need the integration with ActiveCampaign. And those are the first two. And then I use Deadline Funnel for my actual training, which currently is a one-hour discount. I'm switching to a 24-hour discount, but we'll likely split test that with like a three-day discount. So I need something that adds some urgency because we discovered during the boot camp that the urgency was really one of the biggest things missing is there was no incentive for anyone to buy now. And I feel like Deadline Funnel does that really well. Um, I would say those are probably the big three. There might be kind of like some others here and there for little things, but Active Campaign, Deadline Funnel, Interact. And Kajabi. And Kajabi. Yeah, with the with the form survey stuff, I do something similar. I use Typeform. When somebody opts in, they immediately get like a survey. And I've got a direct integration happening from Typeform down to Active Campaign, so that when somebody fills out the survey, all of those answers get into my CRM, which is Active Campaign. Um, and it's nice to have. I think before they had that direct interaction, I was also using Zapier. Yeah. Um, but there are certainly limitations there. That's interesting that 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 one integration is like what's what's convincing you to. Or maybe it's just like the icing on top to convince you to switch out of Kajabi's email system and over to Active Campaign. Yeah, there's been a couple things where 
especially with some of the services, I, I have to pay a good amount of money for like the advanced plan or the pro plan. So it's 200 or 300 a month or something like that for some of these services, depending on the specific plan. But I don't really have an option because that's my funnel and the funnel works. So something like the quiz, I can't really give up and I don't want to go with a lesser quiz company with like less capability because this is how I, I get my leads. And then the ability to tag them I might find out that this email sequence doesn't actually help with sales and that I was just as good in Kajabi because I haven't tested it yet. But my hunch is that sending someone a series of four or five emails related to their specific kid, their number of kids, the age of their kid, their concerns, their current level, that that's going to do more in sales than the cost of adding another software. So we've we've mentioned your funnel a couple of times now. So let's get into that. Like what how important do you think having a good funnel in your online course business is and what does yours look like today? Yeah, I think it is incredibly important unless you are like just one of these huge names <laughs> that everyone knows and and trusts. I think in early childhood there's a couple of them who don't have a funnel, but everyone knows them. And it's just kind of like a word of mouth. Everyone's taking the course. Everyone knows. I don't know how they got started, to be honest, and how they did it with, with, without a funnel. But some people don't have a funnel and they're making it work. I personally needed one. And my sales went through the roof once I was able to actually connect the dots with you to have enough value in the funnel to have a, a, a training that actually felt like it supported people and to have a discount with some scarcity. So my current funnel, my traffic comes predominantly from social media, either from Instagram or at this point from TikTok. And people click to get to my free training. I have on the back end a bunch of identical landing pages for the free training, but each one has a different URL and each one has a different copy of my quiz. So I have at this point, like six versions of the same quiz. And that lets me track daily how many people took each quiz, how many leads I got from each quiz, and then where each sale is coming from. So I can break down all of my Facebook ads in much more detail than like the Facebook ads manager. I can break down who's coming from Instagram every day, who's coming from TikTok, when they buy, what the percentages are. The user doesn't see this. The user sees, I click a link, I go to a, a, a quiz, but on the back end, there's a bunch of different quizzes. So they go through the quiz, I'll ask <clears throat> somewhere between like three to six questions, depending on the answers. Uh, there's a branching logic. So if, if you're like, my kid isn't speaking yet, the quiz is done there. There's nothing else I, I really need to ask. <laughs> but if you're like, my kid knows most of their sounds, I'll start to ask about their ability to read. If you're like, they can read some words, I'm like, okay, how can they kind of handle books? And after the quiz, I'm like, thanks for your answers. Enter your email address to get the free training. People at this point, I don't advertise the quiz anymore. It used to be like a quiz funnel. Now it's a free training funnel. 
But once they click free training, they get the quiz to match them. I'm like, hey, let's match mm. it to the right thing. Mm. So they click training, they take the quiz, then that takes them to the training, and I have their email address. At this point, if they make it to the end of the training, they're going to have somewhere between 24 hours to three days to get my bundle for 20% off. I don't do a discount on my single courses. I just do a discount on the full course bundle. And then I'll also send them some follow-up emails trying to get them to view the training if they haven't clicked into it yet. Um, The part that we're adding, we haven't gotten really any sales from an email sequence to date. It is all from people who just literally go to the training, watch it, and then buy within an hour. The part that we're adding is hopefully a lot more value. It says, you said you were worried about this thing. Here's some of my advice and here's some of my tips about this thing that can help. And I've got more info on my training. You said that you're working with two kids. Here's the way that I would approach working with two kids. Here's how I split the time. Here's some info. And by the way, check out the free training. Because that's where 93 or so percent of my sales come from is an hour after watching. Yeah, interesting. And we've talked about this um, a few days ago, but it's possible that it's not it's not necessarily just the timing but what what's happening is after that hour the 20% off goes away right and so maybe there's something magical about that 20% with your audience and there's some creative things you could do to <laughs> extend that offer in in other places in the funnel and whatnot so you've the only real way to figure out if it's the timing itself or the offer itself with the, with the 20% is to just test it. And, uh, and you're constantly testing and tweaking your funnel, which is really cool. Yep. And I have one more funnel that I'm planning, which is with my sound cards. So I sell these sound cards on my site for 20 bucks and then they pay for shipping. We, we don't make a ton off of these because they were very expensive to make. The shipping is expensive out of our house. They cover that. But I make maybe nine bucks per card. Mm-hmm. And then for anyone who buys the course, I lose 30 cents sending it out because I cover the shipping. So the cards don't make a ton of money, but a lot of people purchase them. Um, hundreds of people purchase them who don't buy the course. So my plan is to add a QR code on like a little piece of card stock or something that comes with the cards. I was like, thanks for buying. If you want to know how to use them, scan the code. Then people scan the code. They go to my site and it's literally a little mini training on how to use the cards. And from there, I have the option of having the mini training be its own little push at the end with some kind of time-limited discount for the course or push from mini training to the full training. I haven't worked out how they'll fit together yet. But my goal is to push people who purchase the actual cards to something on my website that says, here's how to use them. And then this is important. Having cards isn't going to help your kid learn to read. Knowing how to use them will. And there's actually a lot of other information I need to give you about how to teach your kid to read such that these are helpful for you. Just trying to, trying to maximize the value of those $9 sales, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, I don't have like a low ticket offer or really any other entry point other than the free training. And it's very on brand. Like my brand is things don't teach reading like people do. Like the reason 
I could teach a rock to read. And it's, it's literally because you have that knowledge. So I have a lot of people who are buying my sound cards and looking at 20 second reels on Instagram, thinking that they're going to teach their kid to read. And a very small percentage of my followers could probably do it. Can probably watch the reels, get the cards, pull it off. In the same way that you said, a very small percentage of people can watch YouTube, watch someone playing piano, get their piano, and then go do it. The vast majority of people are going to need to see me teach a lesson. They're going to need to hear me explain what I'm doing. So I think, yeah, it is, it is an, 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 another sell, but it is, it, is, it is accurate that people will need to get the cards and, and, and know how to use them. Let's, uh, let's talk about your job next. You mentioned earlier in the conversation how that was kind of a goal of yours. That was something you heard on the podcast, something you wanted to do. What was that process like for you to make that decision to, to quit and do this full-time? Yeah, so I think my answer here is a little bit spiritual. And um, I've been really into manifestation and just kind of creating reality. That's, that's the only way that I think I can explain it. So when I have the idea of an online course, it's, it's like a light bulb went off and I knew it was going to be successful. And when I really thought about the market and I looked at it, I'm like, there's no one else in this space. There's no one who is teaching reading to parents of toddlers. Like this is, this is mine to take. And I have hours and hours and hours of video of me doing this with my son. And as a teacher, I, I had a strength in being able to communicate with parents and, and being able to break down topics to make it really easy for them to understand it and, and make them feel like they weren't behind and like we could do it together. And I think the initial idea was something I felt very confident about very early in a way that I felt about a few things in, in, in my life, um, all of which I've been right about. and. At that point, I set the goal of a million dollars in 2022. That was before I had a course made, before I had sales. And my approach was just literally just manifest it, like just do what it takes to make this true. And so I had to make every decision from March or so of 2021 through today, through the lens of, if I believe myself, if I believe that this is a million dollar business, if I believe this is something I can do from home that can impact families, that can literally change a kid's experience in school and in their life, then every decision I make has to align with that belief. And quitting my job was part of that. It was, I was, I was waiting until, um, the money from toddlers can read matched the money from my business before leaving and it, it just wasn't happening. And so that decision was if I believe that this is going to happen, 
if I'm trying to manifest this happening, then my only option is to quit, which I, I know that you were a little bit nervous about at, at, at the time, but that's really been the approach. And, and that's the approach I've taken to everything that I've purchased to putting things just honestly on my credit card when we, we can afford them because I'm like, you know, 40,000 in debt, a million dollars pays that off. So I'm, I'm going to get this nice camera and, 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 and I'm going to invest in having this course produced professionally because like, this is what it would take. And I'm not going to miss my goal. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to miss this because I'm not investing and I'm not taking it seriously. So honestly, I felt like I have no other option. So, you, so you've done the math and a million dollars does pay off 40K in debt. You got that right? I, I am banking <laughs> on it. You know, I'm, it won't be without expenses. I'm going for a million in, um, in net revenue. So we will have some expenses too. But when you quit a six-figure job to run an online course, helping parents teach others to read, like that sounds a little bit out there. But, you know, I believed it. And as time has gone on, more and more people who have been skeptical have kind of come on board and can now actually kind of see it coming to light too. So I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with the audience here right now. Can, can you hear that? Like hammering in the background a little bit. I've, I've been muted with you, but like, you know, I haven't lived in my house in a while. I work out of my home office and we, we still have not moved back in and there's somebody like hammering right outside of my office right now. So if, if anybody hears that, we're just going to keep rolling. It's a little distracting for me. My, my, you know, I've got a good podcasting microphone here and it's, it's supposed to mostly pick up the audio from right around it. Yeah. Are you really not hearing that? I've got it now. I, I, I didn't have it. Before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what they're working on, but we're just going to power through if that's all right with you. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about traffic. Okay. The funnel is important. The course is important. Making sure people are successful with your course testimonials is important, but, but, but if you don't have any traffic to go along with all of that, that doesn't work either. So you've mentioned several times, Instagram, TikTok. I think you mentioned Facebook ads as well. Are those your main traffic sources at this point? Yes. And I think I also get some traffic from Google, but because the TikTok had picked up so quickly, I, I wasn't tracking any traffic from TikTok. So I literally had TikTok become my Google traffic. So I, I need to split them back out this month so I can see how much is coming from just the organic search. But um, I now have 78,000 followers on TikTok. So that has become the number one source. Uh, Instagram is number two. Uh, Facebook ads is number three. And then I think anyone kind of, I get some word of mouth stuff too. So really quickly, TikTok became your number one source. It went from off the map to number one, like very, very quick. So like having this recent experience, can you like advise me? Like I'm, I'm, I don't really have much TikTok presence. We have an account, we're not doing much with it. Like Based on your experience, what should I be doing on TikTok with Piano in 21 Days? Yeah. 
we had this strategy. You know, as as as, as well as I do, I think that I'm not like I don't love being on social media, and I would be off of it if I could. So we had a strategy where I would upload all of my Instagram reels, so just like the video content, into a Google folder, and then a friend of mine would post it to TikTok. So I literally hadn't logged in yet. And we had probably had the account for like two months with the goal of maybe something goes viral on TikTok at some point. Like maybe something just like kind of takes off because it has a different algorithm than Instagram. And that happened. And it happened with two videos at the same time, which is where the influx came. So I had a hundred followers after probably two months. And then 78,000 have come in in the last two weeks um, and probably over 3,000 leads. And I, I still honestly don't really know TikTok strategy at all. We literally were just reposting our video content from Instagram with the thought of like, there's no loss. Like, there's no harm in having a social media account without a lot of followers if we're literally trying to just like kind of strike gold. But my understanding from what I've learned since is getting kind of like the right hashtags. So it's showing you to the right demographic is helpful. Like TikTok kind of tries to categorize your content and having different content on Instagram and on TikTok uh, because the two apps do not like each other. So literally like having... Yeah, so a, a lot of people, what I was doing before was I was just downloading the reel from Instagram, reposting to TikTok. It has a little Instagram stamp in the corner. That's generally not going to play as well. Same thing with TikTok to Instagram. So they want you to create the content in their app. And my understanding is they want you to post in their app first. So my strategy moving forward is I create content for Instagram and I create content for TikTok. It's different, but it's similar. I make it in each of their apps. And if something really hits in one, I'll repost it to the other. Um, and use Instagram more as a space to also build community through my stories, through actually being able to put just like still images uh, since TikTok is all video. But my strategy was try and go viral. And apparently it works, but I wouldn't recommend that or I think advise that. Um, I think what I would recommend to listeners is like, there's no harm in having a second or a third platform just that you try on. I think as long as you're still very focused on the one, like I was still very focused on Instagram as the thing that I'm going to try and get really good at. That's what I hired a coach to help me with. Um, and then kind of just like kind of shooting shots to the side to see if something sticked. And to be to be clear, the two videos that you said went viral on TikTok for you, those did have like you downloaded those from Instagram and they had the like Instagram watermark on them? I believe so. So you're in your opinion, they might have done even better without that. They could have. It's very I'm still learning. I have one video that seems like it is like it went viral in Africa because there are a bunch of people being like, this is how we say the sounds in Kenya. This is how we say the sounds in Nigeria. Like a third of the comments are just like different African countries of like, this is how we say the sounds. It's just me pronouncing the sounds. 
Um, moving forward, I am going to try for the next two weeks or so to do all of my TikTok stuff in the TikTok app and just see if there's a difference. Because other than these two viral videos, I don't have videos that are like going amazing. Um, so something happened that showed them to people, but I'm not going to say it was because of this thing or, or that thing. I'm just going to try and use the advice, which is make them in the respective apps. And if that doesn't pan out, I'll probably just start repurposing stuff again. Got it. So what, uh, what made you want to join the, the bootcamp? Well, maybe a little history would be helpful for the listeners. Um, I, after listening to the podcast for a while, had tried to join your online course accelerator, maybe, or there was like, it was one of your or next level courses. It was some online thing that you had offered. And it was like, we're not doing this anymore. There's a wait list. And I know your piano went in 21 days funnel. So I'm like, there's not a wait list. So I sent an email back. I don't know if it went to you or to your assistant or, or, or something, but I was like, I know there's not a wait list. Can you just let me in? I'm, I'm going to pay. I don't need like the free 10 days. Just like, I'll pay for it. Just please let me in. Uh, Cause I wanted more support and I trusted you. And then they were like, no, this is real. That sounded like your tone a little bit. That might've been you. I'm not sure. That was a hundred percent me. I remember, I remember that email and I was like, cause I, I probably even <laughs> read your email to my wife. Cause it's so funny because like that was the language on piano in 21 days. And you knew that. And you're just like, look, let me in. I know this is fake. And I was like, actually, like, I don't, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, but like, I'm taking a little break. This is a hundred percent real. I, I definitely remember that. Yeah. So I went, I went back and, and listened to that and I was like, oh, this is real. And, and I honestly don't know how I hadn't heard it sooner. I was a little bit embarrassed. Um, and then later, I think it was, I pitched myself to get on your podcast um, with like a relative. No, you, wait, you skipped the part where you still found a way to get in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then I got in via Google. <laughs> I, I searched it or something. I got in the back door and I got to the point where um, it was like I was able to, to try and re request the Facebook group and everything. But, um, you were like, I don't know how you got in. I don't do this anymore. Yeah. Like I had already told you it was real and everything. And then like a couple weeks later, you found a way to pay me money. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go refund you because the, the program wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, at some point in the timeline, I don't remember if it was before or after, I, I made a pitch to get on the podcast because I was like, people want to hear about... Uh, people who are kind of up and coming. Like I've, I've, I've listened to enough episodes that people want to hear before it's successful. They want to hear what people are doing, the lessons that they're learning is like, there was very much before I was successful. And so I was, I was trying to pitch to come on. I did my research on previous guests. And then I got a video response from you, which I played for like 20 people. Like Jacques talked to me. Um, he said, no, he said no very nicely. Um, and then you opened up, the the coaching cohort and at that point it's like I, I tried three times and so wait real, real quick what what did i say in that video i don't really remember that why, why did i make a video for you 
Um, so you recorded a video, you said something like, I need to respond to this. I'm not really doing these kinds of interviews right now. But once I start again, I'd definitely be interested in like talking more, uh, which essentially is what happened. Uh, but I, I think you saw the effort I put into the pitch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so with the boot camp thing, it, I think, aligned to my belief of like trying to literally manifest this success. Like, I was convinced from listening to so many episodes of your podcast, I was like, Jacques can help me. I think that's why I tried to get your coaching so many times. So you opened it up, and my biggest hesitation was like, can I pay for it? Because I am looking at quitting my job, not having this income, um, still having to pay mortgage. And then it's back to that same question of like, if I really believe in myself, if I really think this is going to be a successful business, then there's not a choice. You pay for the money, you get the coaching, and then you get better. Next, let's let's talk about like your course itself, the curriculum and whatnot. And and honestly, I think that's one of the pieces to the to the to the equation that I talk about least. And it's one of the most important parts, the course, right? I mean, I, I love talking about the marketing and, and different traffic strategies and um but I am very passionate about the course and the content and then that in turn actually generating success stories. And I know a couple of people, you know, you know literally two people in the current boot camp have been asking me for more information about just like instructional design and actually, you know, putting the course content together, the curriculum together. And that's something that I spent a lot of time with on my latest version of my of piano in 21 days 6.0, really trying to nail it. And so I'm just curious your perspective on that um, as now a course creator, but also as a teacher, like your take on instructional design, how you went about it and and what your course content kind of looks like today. So it's a great question. I, I can start with, I think the content is easiest and then I can talk about how I designed it. So I have three courses. It's the first is learning sounds, then blending words, and then reading books. And in a typical classroom or as I was working with my son, you can do multiple things at a time. So I can teach him his sounds. And at the same time, in the same day, start to teach him how to kind of blend some of the sounds together. But I wanted this to be distinct phases that people could literally feel like they're checking off. I'm, I'm checking off. We have all the sounds. Now I'm checking off. We can blend them into words. And now I'm checking off. We have like strategies for books. So that was the biggest instructional choice that I made was literally just splitting it into these set topics, and then giving each one a goal. So being able to say, by the end of the first course, you're going to know how to teach your little one all 26 of their basic letter sounds. And I want to keep it super simple. Then we're going to be able to combine four sounds at a time and read kind of any regular four sound word. And once we can read four sound words, now let's learn some strategies for reading books where maybe the word is tricky and we need to memorize it. Or maybe it's a five or six sound word, or maybe there's some context that's helpful, or maybe there's an, a more advanced, like a two letter or a three letter sound that you need to learn. So a big part for me was literally almost thinking of this like a checklist 
like what are like what's the order of steps I could take someone through so by the end the kid can actually read a book and within each course I've tried to learn as many lessons as possible from the pilot stage which is I think incorporating the most frequently asked questions, the points of confusion, all of the stuff that I have to answer in DM or in, in, in text, trying to make sure that that's built in. So I did a read through for all of those FAQs and making sure that they're built in. Then I thought about, you know, like what's the information people need before they even start? Like what do they need to know about how to take the course or the materials or, or, the, or that sort of thing? And how can I like quickly build in that intro? And so I added that intro to each course. And then I thought about like, what do I have to model, like physically show with materials versus what can I just talk about? And I, I do think people really connect to stories. So the way I structure each, each course is I start with, with kind of stories of how I came to the, the conclusion. I got this from Expert Secrets. You know, here's the story of, of how I learned it or how I earned it. And then I connect it to a car analogy, to kind of like this driving analogy that overarchs through the whole course. So I, I can take any part of learning to read and break it down to an analogy of like how we learn to drive a car that really resonates with people. And then I try and spend as little time as possible just kind of sitting and, and talking, although I do just kind of sit and talk when needed. I try and switch to let me show you first, literally at this table, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to break this down. In the first course, I actually do it with a parent and we do it as an interview. And I tell her exactly what I'm going to do with her son. And, and she kind of sits in the place of the audience. And then I do it with the kid. So like, here's what I'll do. And then I actually show me doing each step with the kid. And then the last I think the very last layer for me was like what text needs to be on the screen to kind of help support the viewer as they go. Like what are the key points that I want them to actually see or stand out? Um, and then there's kind of handouts that go with it. So that'd be like the very, very last layer is kind of building out the handouts and the resources to support. When you release the, the, new, the newest version of the course, I mean, what, a month or two ago now? Would you say? It was about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. So the new version of your course is incredibly high quality. Uh, the, the, the videos, the teaching, the camera angles, it's very impressive for not the sixth version like mine. Um, what did you, what have you know? I'm, you gave your older students, um, the ones that bought prior to two weeks ago, did you give them free access to the upgrade? Yeah. What, what have you noticed? Have you noticed like more um, satisfaction? Have you noticed lower refunds since, since you've given people the upgrade or what? I haven't dug into it as well as I should. Something I wanted to look at was how much people were actually watching and viewing. But part of it is because I dropped the newest version at the same time as the influx of people from TikTok. So I feel like I've been trying to respond to just the number of leads and, and, and sales. And, and there's so many new people coming in 
that I've been, I've been, I've been focused on that. But something that I have like tangibly noticed is there's more comments as people go through the app, like in four or five months prior to this, there's probably like three comments total in the app, like as, as, as people go through. And there's probably about 10 comments already from people literally as they're going through watching, just adding comments to the videos, which is positive. But I, I'm curious uh, how much more people are watching now. And specifically, since it's video-based now, instead of slide-based, and I'm actually doing the lesson with the kids so they can see it, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see, like, hopefully a reduction in the questions people are asking and like kind of like higher quality, more specific questions versus just kind of like generic questions that could be answered from a better curriculum. Let's go back to, uh, to about 10 months ago, everything, you know, now going back 10 months ago, when you were starting, what would you do differently? Nothing. Why not? I knew one day you would ask me that question on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to be able to say nothing. You know, I, I think I haven't done anything perfectly and there I think have been a ton of highs and lows and as time has gone on, it's, it's been more highs than lows, but initially it was more lows than highs. And I think I stuck the course and consistently like learn from mistakes so i've made a ton of mistakes and some of them feel like really bad when you gave me feedback on my email pipeline and we're just like you're literally just selling you're hitting them with a timer on day one you're not giving any value this feels kind of sleazy you're not taking away the, the discount like all that feedback like sucks to get but it's not like I could have avoided that. There's nothing I really could have like preemptively done other than I think at every point, just trying and continuing to like work and like take feedback. Um, so I'm honestly happy with how I have approached it. Well, I mean, we're only 10 months in. You know, I, to, to get to the level of success you've gotten to, it took me years. And so I would have a, a much longer list, uh, or I would actually have a list of things I would do differently for sure. But the fact that you've, you've kind of taken, uh, you've taken a much shorter path to success than most people. And that's for sure. But let me give one specific example. I mean, if you had to do it over again, would you go the pre-sale, pre-sale route or, or not? Yeah. I think I would like, I learned a lot from it. And the biggest thing I think is it, it did force me to get my course out June 18th. And, uh, that weekend I stayed at a hotel like five minutes from the house, uh, just so I could be up all night working. And I, I think that's kind of what I, I, I needed. There's a lot of the parts of, of the business that I, I like and, creating the slides in uh, PowerPoint was like not one of those things. But I think the pre-sale kind of forced me to do that. 
And it got me much better at kind of selling it and talking to the audience. Last question for you. Probably know what it's going to be. I know what it's going to be. I don't think you're going to like my advice. All right. You ask the question and then you can answer it. (laughs) Okay, Spencer. We have a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are maybe just getting started with their online course or their online business. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's just getting started? You nailed it. That's pretty good. You know, most of the time we have a guest on, they're not super familiar with the podcast necessarily. And so I've got to, I've got to kind of frame, even though it maybe sounds like the same question each time, like that's how I frame it. But you, uh, you're obviously a listener. You, you've, you, you're not just talk, you, uh, (laughs) you can back it up. You know, you know what questions I'm going to ask. So yes, that is it. And, uh, tell me, why am I not going to like your answer? Don't do it. My, no, it, my advice is burn the bridge. Like if you're going to do it, do it. Burn yeah, the I, bridge don't like, I don't like and, it. And go forward. Yeah. And it's, it's just a personal belief. I don't believe that everyone should do it. I don't, I don't, I don't think, you know, everyone is cut out to, run an online course. I think that many people can. I think there are strategies that you can study and like things that you can do, but you do have to find like a niche that is specific to you that you can own and some kind of value add there. I think coming in from the perspective of like, let me make as much money as possible and work as little as possible. Like, Maybe that works, but you've still got to find something that you are uniquely positioned to be able to teach and to offer. And then I assume most people hit bumps in the road. I've I've hit many. And I think it takes a certain kind of like discipline and resolve to be able to fail and fail and fail and then keep going and believe in yourself and just kind of learn from it. But I also believe in just doing things and like going after them. So I think if, if someone is listening and they're like, you know, I think I have something, I think I have a lane that I can fill and I think I can create a course or a membership that's really high quality and help people then burn the bridge. Just do it. Try it. And if you fail, fail going all the way, but don't fail because you're half-assing it. Don't fail because you're not giving it the full time that it needs. Don't fail because you're not learning from your mistakes. Fail because you went all the way in and you realized that you weren't the right person. But how, if you burn the bridge and then fail, what are you supposed to do? Figure it out? (laughs) I would... I would put in some thought before you burn the bridge. You know, this isn't like a spur of the moment thing. I, I think that's part of like finding your niche and finding your thing and doing market research and, and, and making sure that you are uniquely positioned to help. But if all that's true, my personal opinion, you either believe in yourself or you don't. And 
this is advice I've, I've given people. I think some people it resonates with some people. It doesn't. I'm, I'm sure there's listeners who are like, this is crazy, but Spencer's personal belief. If you believe in something and you want it to happen, you just make it happen. Like that's the only option. You, 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 you just make it happen. Maybe you fail. And honestly, if, 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 if this had failed and I, I was talking to you right now about the failure, what it would mean is we would have sold the house, lived with my partner's parents for a little bit. Um, but I would still live knowing that I gave a hundred percent and, 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 and that's different, you know, back to the beginning of the, of, of the pandemic where I was like, I'm, I'm not dying at this desk doing this job. Everyone's still at that job. Everyone's still there. And a lot of people wish they could take a step. A lot of people wish they could jump and they look at people who are taking steps. They look at people who are jumping and say, I wish I could do that. It's like, you literally can burn the bridge, go do it. I think that increases your chances of being successful. You go all in. Fail, it happens. You I think the, like the biggest problem I see with that mentality is just by some people think like just by thinking it or truly believing it, quote unquote, that that's kind of good enough, right? But you still got to do a lot of work, right? And that's and you did that like you every week we would meet and you you always did every time you did what i asked you to do that week sometimes more right you always did the work and so for you just believing it isn't good enough things aren't going to just fall in your lap because you did because you believe it you're actually you're actually doing it but other people i don't know if you agree or not don't always do the work I think it goes hand in hand. Like every week we're meeting and I don't have an option. There's, 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 there's people who are meeting who have an option. Like they don't have to do the work. I don't, I don't have an option. I do the work or I lose my house. Like that's, like that's the situation that I, I had set up. It's, 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 this is just, we, we bet everything on this course. And I love and thank and appreciate my partner for trusting me to be able to execute, but there literally wasn't another option but to do the work, but to be successful. And I think, you know, everyone's different. So maybe someone can intellectually live in two worlds and say, if I fail, I'll do this. And if I succeed, I'll do this. And I'm still gonna work 110%. I'm not that person. I have to say, this is going to be successful and I'm going to work 110% towards it. I got it, man. So let's, uh, let's close this by just hearing about what else you have coming up in your business over the next year or so. You mentioned uh, an idea for the kind of, kind of a funnel with the, the physical cards. Um, what else? Any, anything else that you're thinking of doing in the business in the next few months to a year? Yeah. So the places where I am focused right now is first on updating the training and updating the price and sort of split testing different aspects of the training. The training is effective. The funnel is effective. I convert about 10% of people who give their email addresses. I don't know if that could be better. I don't know how that's going to be affected by increasing the price, 
So literally my first goal is have a training with the new price that I know works at least as well as it does now, if not better. And then hopefully adding in that second little training with the cards to get some additional sales. From there, with the way I've set up my data, I've realized just literally how important social media is to my success. So I started working with an Instagram coach um, who's been really helpful. So literally it's just doing everything that she says for the next three months and seeing what impact that has on the business and ideally scaling up through Facebook ads and or Google ads. I see that as a place where I could scale quickly if I find the ad that returns high. Um, I'm willing to borrow money to pump into an ad that's working. There's nothing that is off limits for me in terms of scale. The goal is literally get everything set up and then it's time to scale. And I think I'm going to have to think about um, as that happens, some of the different roles and the support systems and ways to kind of set up the business to be sustainable because the last two weeks has been uh, great, but it's, it's, it's been very challenging because I wasn't set for this. I, I wasn't ready yet. Um, and I think the last thing is YouTube. I've wanted to get the YouTube page started. I think that's going to be the platform I like the best, but it has taken a back seat to TikTok at, the, at this point. Well, Spencer, congratulations on all your success uh, once again. So I don't know that we've even mentioned your exact domain or not, but it's, it's toddlersread.com and the course is Toddlers Can Read, right? That's correct. We may pursue some legal action to get both domains. Now <laughs> it is toddlersread.com. Toddlersread.com. So if you're, if you're a parent, young kids that you, you're intrigued by uh, how passionately Spencer talks about his, his course and, and helping um, toddlers to read and helping, really it's, it's helping parents and teachers to be able to help their little ones to read, then go check it out. Or I'm sure if you just want to check out Spencer's funnel and his site and what a Kajabi site looks like, I'm, I'm sure you'd welcome that as well, right? Yeah. It'll throw off my analytics slightly. Uh, so maybe put like a little asterisk next to your name, but I would love to have you check out the funnel. All right. Let's not do that. All right. Only go to the site. If you, if there's a 10% chance you're going to buy it, then you can go to the site. Otherwise don't go there. No, How about I'm that? happy for people to opt in. They can check it out. Awesome. All right, Spencer, this has uh, definitely been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. So how about that, huh? That was, uh, that was Spencer dollarsread.com. Go check it out. This has been episode 181 of the online course show. Go check out the show notes at oc.show slash 181. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the online course show. Before we get out of here, let's talk about Kajabi for a minute. I really, really, really like Kajabi these days. I am almost finished completely moving the online course guy.com business over. I don't know if you heard that, but we still have construction going on even today. I just recorded that episode with uh, that conversation with Spencer yesterday, and uh, it is a construction zone, uh, but just for a few more weeks. But Kajabi, okay? So we're, we're almost finished moving everything over to Kajabi, and 
pretty much the entire online course guide business is going to be there. And I think Kajabi is an amazing fit for most course creators, not everybody, but for most, because it does so much so well, uh, it is not cheap, but that's because there's so, so many things that it does. And I have been working on a course and I want to tell you about it. It is called every click Kajabi. What this course is, is I have been documenting, recording every step of the way of me building my entire business from scratch, from the ground up. And so when I say every click Kajabi, what that means is you're going to see every click, every keystroke, you're going to see every single step to building an entire business out on Kajabi, because that's exactly what I did. And you're going to be sitting there with me in this course as I go through the entire process from the ground up, starting all the way at the beginning to signing up for Kajabi. And this isn't this isn't a normal like Kajabi course. There's a lot out there where they're just kind of showing you around. They're showing their account. Maybe they, they create a demo account. This is not that. I don't know if another course like this quite exists. I'm literally building my entire business, my actual business out on Kajabi. And so it, like I said, it's called every click Kajabi because I want to show you every click there is. I'm not leaving any step out. That was actually one of the criticisms of some of the online course courses I've done in the past is that I left out a lot of the steps. And I did that intentionally because so many people use different tech platforms, different tech tools for different things. And I, I want it to be as inclusive as possible. But by doing that, I feel, feel like I kind of alienated a, a lot of people that needed that, that handholding. They needed to see every step of the process. And so I firmly believe in, in Kajabi being a great solution for most people. And if you want to give it a try, um, I've got a free 30-day trial that you can um, the, the, you can try it out for yourself. And when you sign up for that free 30 day trial using my link, you will get access to every click Kajabi. Uh, the tagline of it is every single step to build your entire business on Kajabi. I mean, we're, we're talking about the podcast. We're talking about funnels. We're talking about courses. We're talking about memberships. We're talking about community, um, website, uh, emails. There's just, there's so much that Kajabi does and it's all in there. And so maybe you've been on the fence. Um, maybe you're evaluating platforms. Maybe you're considering switching platforms. So this is a good opportunity. If you just go to kajabi.com, you can sign up for their 14 day trial, but the link I'm about to give you, you can get a 30 day free trial. Plus you'll get free access to every click Kajabi full disclaimer. It is not quite finished. It is mostly finished and you will get access to it in its current state. And we are adding content every day there as we finish up videos, course content, and it will be complete, 100% complete very, very soon. So all you do is you uh, go to oc.show slash Kajabi, sign up for the free trial, uh, send me an email with a kind of a screenshot that you did that, uh, Jacques at theonlinecourseguy.com, and we will make sure you get access to every click Kajabi. So once again, oc.show slash Kajabi, and that'll, uh, That'll allow you to sign up for the 30-day free trial and get access to every click of Javi. So there's my little pitch for the newest course that I've been working on. Super excited about it. The production value, I got to say, I mean, I'm a little bit biased. Production value is very, very high quality. I am on camera the entire time, but my screen is on as well. It's not just Loom either. Like it's fully, highly produced. We're spending a lot of time on each video and um, 
I'm just, I just want to crank out really high quality courses uh, from here on out, both in content and just like production value. So uh, once again, thank you to Spencer for coming on and thank you out there for listening to yet another episode and we will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,